Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, new every Thursday, podcastone.com and iTunes, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for listening, downloading, streaming this podcast. Much appreciated. It's always fun to talk with you guys and bring this to you once a week. Remember, if you are shopping at Amazon, which I believe a lot of you do all the time, including especially around this time with the holidays being here, by all means, please start with my official Amazon web store page, which is amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Nice and easy, right? Bookmark that. And whenever you start your shopping on Amazon or go to Amazon, start there. Take a look at some of the handpicked items that are in my Amazon storefront. If you want to buy them, great. If not, go on to other areas of the Amazon page and uh, buy whatever you want. Just start with my page. It is helpful and appreciated. Again, the page address, amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Appreciate you doing that. So let me get into a few things here with you at the top of the podcast because I am about to, first of all, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving last week. Of course, uh, we post on Thursday. So post day was last Thursday on a holiday. So for whatever reason, you may have missed last week's podcast because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Be sure to go back and grab it and download it. Of course, totally free. So you can get it before it expires and listen to it. I know sometimes things get a little lost in in the shuffle with the holiday madness. So we did post on a Thursday. We did have a brand new episode last week for Thanksgiving. And I believe that was David Coverdale and Luke Spiller from the Struts. Be sure to grab that one if you missed it because of the holiday madness. Anyway, speaking of holiday madness, here we go. Headed now into December. And, of course, the final month of the year. And things are getting really intense for me as far as travel and schedule. I have a couple trips left before the end of the year as far as appearances. They include, if you are listening to this on post day, tomorrow, Friday, December 1st, in Tulsa at the IDL Ballroom to host Lita Ford and Jack Russell's Great White. Saturday, December 2nd, I fly to Los Angeles, where that night I will be at the Canyon Club in Agora Hills, California, where I will host the Frontiers Records holiday party that features L.A. Guns, Jack Russell's Great White, Warrant, and the River Dogs featuring Vivian Campbell. Then I fly back to Tulsa. I do some live radio shows from the Hard Rock in Tulsa, Monday through Thursday. 
on that Wednesday, uh, the Wednesday coming up, Alter Bridge is playing in Tulsa. I'll be seeing them and also having some of the guys on my Sirius XM volume show that day. So then that's that trip, and then I'm home for a few days, and then I head to Houston. First time ever I'll be appearing at the Proof Rooftop Lounge in Houston on December 14th, hosting a show with L.A. Guns and Enough's Enough. And then from there, I go to Dallas, December 16th, where I will be hosting a show at the Bomb Factory with Ace Freely, L.A. Guns, Dokken, Dangerous Toys, and many others. So a lot of stuff going on in the next couple weeks. Hopefully, if you are in those areas of the country, you come see me. December 22nd, Dingbats, the annual That Metal Show Christmas Party, which is happening in Clifton, New Jersey. As usual, just a fun get-together with a lot of friends. Myself, Don, and Jim will be in the house hanging with you guys, drinking with you guys, and celebrating the end of another year. That's December 22nd. Always a blast. Dingbats in Clifton for the annual That Metal Show get-together. Unfortunately, the TV show doesn't exist, but myself, Don, and Jim still do, and we'll be there to hang with everybody, which is, uh, like I said, always a great night. Then as we start to look into January, we're looking at Cruise to the Edge. We're looking at the Monsters of Rock Cruise. I'll be broadcasting and hosting on both. Well, broadcasting on both, hosting on Monsters. January 20th, the Atlanta Kiss Expo, broadcasting from that. So there's tons of stuff going on. As usual, eddytrunk.com, right on the homepage. That is where all my appearances are. And be sure to follow on Twitter, at eddytrunk, for info and up-to-the-second information. Now, a few weeks ago, I was in L.A. I had the honor of doing the first-ever interview with the brand-new lineup of Stone Temple Pilots. The first-ever interview with Jeff Goot, who is the band's new lead singer. It was revealed during the interview you're about to hear. The band also played three songs during this radio special. Unfortunately, because of podcast rules, those three songs had to be cut out. But if you'd like to hear those, you can get those on the SiriusXM app on demand. But you will get the audio of the interview portion. And I've spent... uh, some great times recently with Robert and Dean DeLeo, Eric Kretz, the surviving members of Stone Temple Pilots. I did a special with them, which you also heard here on the podcast for the 25th anniversary of their debut album, Core. And I had the great honor of hosting the first ever interview, the interview where they literally revealed who their new lead singer was during the course of the interview you're about to hear. Of course, now this happened a couple of weeks ago, everybody knows. But at the time this was done, it was a big reveal moment. Since this interview was done, I had a chance to see Stone Temple Pilots with their new lead singer at the Troubadour in Los Angeles, which was the night after we did this interview. And this interview actually aired on Sirius XM one hour before they took the stage and revealed their singer to the world. So it really was a very, very cool uh, experience. And if you didn't hear this first ever interview with Stone Temple Pilots and their new lead singer, I thought this would be a great opportunity to bring it to you. And you'll hear how he ended up getting the gig, which is pretty interesting. These guys went through 20,000, personally through 20,000 audition tapes and then ended up taking a guy who didn't even submit an audition, as you're about to hear. Pretty interesting story. So get ready for the guys in Stone Temple Pilots. Great dude. So happy for him. And 
like I said, since this interview was done, I was the next day I saw the show they played with him, the first show they did with him at the Troubadour, and I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. I thought they picked the right guy. I thought he did a great job. I think their new song they have out is really, really strong. So rooting for Stone Temple Pilots, they've been through a lot, and I, I certainly hope that this is the trick for them, and they're already announced now on a bunch of festivals as well. So good for them. Listen in, in a matter of minutes to the first ever interview revealing their new lead singer that I conducted with them in L.A. a few weeks ago. You're about to hear that on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. As usual, all of my podcast interviews are courtesy of my show on Sirius XM 106. The channel is called Volume. The show is called Trunk Nation. Hear it live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replaying every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and on the Sirius XM app on demand as well. Let's get a break in. Let's come back and let's get into it with Stone Temple Pilots coming up next. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. True car. You know it. You love it. Who doesn't want to feel comfortable that they're getting a fair price when they buy a car? Because you need pricing context, right? That's what you want. You want that information that empowers you to feel confident. And with True Car, you'll see what other people in your local market paid for the car you want. And from there, you can connect with a local True Car certified dealer and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Using True Car, you can easily find the car you want. And then True Car will show you what other people in your area paid for the car you want. Now you know what a fair price is. So you can feel confident. Once you register, you'll see real pricing on actual inventory. It is competitive pricing offered to you only by a True Car certified dealer for an actual vehicle on their lot. It's pricing you'll see before going to a dealership so you can feel confident when you show up. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. True Car customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process than when they uh, connect with the True Car certified dealers. And listen to this. If you ever needed a reason, True Car users, they save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. The Serial Killer Podcast, hosted by me, Thomas Weiberg Thune, is the podcast dedicated to serial killers. Who they were, what they did, and how. Join me as I sit down bi-weekly to bring you, dear listener, into the dark land of serial murder and psychopathy. The show goes into graphic detail on the most infamous and lesser-known serial killers from around the world, with each episode covering one unique serial killer. So far, the show has covered serial killer superstars, such as BTK, Jeffrey Dahmer, and the Yorkshire Ripper. And lesser-known killers, such as Elias Abuelazan and Anatoly Onoprienko. Be advised, this show is not for children, as it takes you deep into the twisted world of ultimate evil. You can find me exclusively at podcastone.com or on the new Podcast One app. Also, don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. This week, the first ever interview conducted with the new lineup of Stone Temple Pilots. Of course, surviving members Robert and Dean DeLeo. 
Eric Kretz, and this was the big reveal moment. Now, again, I understand that this interview was done a couple weeks ago. Now everybody knows who this guy is, and it's come out who he is. But remember, keep in context that at the time I did this interview, this was literally the announcement to the world of their new lead singer. So understand the time and the place that it was done. And uh, let's get into it now. Stone Temple Pilots and the brand new lineup on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Stone Temple Pilots members, Robert and Dean DeLeo, good to see you guys. Always a pleasure, my friend. We have That would be Dean and Robert, nice to see you. Uh, Eric, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Eddie. It's great to see you again and again and again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it truly is. I hope we can celebrate the 25th and three-day anniversary of CORE <laughs> and the 10-day anniversary. But speaking of CORE, I mean, here we are. Recently, we celebrated, and, and you guys all celebrated the anniversary of that debut album. And today, a very, very special day because 25 years and change later, the rebirth of the band, Stone Temple Pilots Reborn. And we're here for you guys to uh, make the big reveal that people have been speculating and wondering about the next phase of Stone Temple Pilots and who the, uh, the new singer are, is going to be. So before we bring him in here and meet him, and by the way, I don't know him. I don't, so we're going to meet them together, but let's talk about how we got here because you guys took a pretty interesting step where you opened this up to the public and you took submissions. Tell me about that decision because that can be, I would imagine, a two-edged sword in a lot of ways. And uh, and tell me, tell me why you decided to go that route when you did. Well... <laughs> You know, uh, we thought it was um, the best way to bring in talent from around the world, basically. You know, we didn't want to exercise our limitations. So, uh, you know, there's that old term, we opened the floodgates. Well, yes, we did. Uh, And uh, we went through a, how many, how many, how many did we sift through, guys? Uh, I think we went through 15 to 20,000 people. (gasps) Twice. Yeah. You guys personally? Yes. So so, how did, did you divvy it up? Did you t- <laughs> you no. take five thousand? You take no, like top how to did bottom it- each of us? And I I was stricken with the flu at the time, so I was bedridden. So it was it worked out great because I just I drove my wife crazy. I had, literally was on the computer for like ten hour, you know, jaunts. She's like, you got to get get off that thing. You're going to go crazy. Wow. And and since uh, a lot of the submissions, they sang the same three songs. That's that's what you'd be listening to for ten hours a day. It's thirty seconds yeah. of this song. And for people that don't know, what were those three songs? Did you tell them what the three songs were? The people that the, yes. the, So what three songs did you instruct for the for the audition? Interstate Love Song, Vaseline, and Vaseline. Yeah, yeah. So so about twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. And then how do you whittle it down from there? Do you like drag and drop? Okay, I'm going to put this one in file A and file B. Most like, of them are really cut and dry. Yeah, of, I mean. Of really good or just really bad, so you could delete really quickly and get the twenty down to really to ten, yes. really easy. Yes, yeah, I, I had it down to a science where I I just went right to Vaseline. Usually, pretty much every person sang Vaseline, and um, a lot of people, you know, we threw in tripping because it's it's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. You know, that one's not easy to get out. So I just went to Vaseline every time, and I could see the sound wave, so I could even just bypass the intro. I just went right to the vocal, <laughs> and you know, in five seconds, you knew. But the idea to do this, 
process and to to be as because you could have done this where you just had these submissions go into a manager's office and somebody go through all that pro and then whittle it down to but you because clearly what you've been through um you know losing your previous two singers and everything that's gone on in the history of the band obviously this is a monumentally important decision so i, I imagine that that was a big part of the reason why you wanted to be this hands-on oh it had it had to it had to be personal you know it had to be from a position of you know the three of us personally getting into uh you know the submissions and you know there's video that went along with it and you kind of knew instantly when a guy had his iphone on his car dash and he was singing along, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you know, driving to work. Carpool yeah. karaoke you, for yeah. Snow Temple yeah. You knew that wasn't the guy or there was a guy sitting there and cut off, you know, jeans on his sofa, you know, with, with an acoustic guitar going, hey, you just knew it wasn't really going to fit, right? you know? We did get a lot of great talent, though, man. We did. You know, yeah, and, some, and we narrowed it down. The some numbers, really great talent, yeah. The numbers were very small. You know, you think... Out of 20-some thousand submissions, uh, we probably only auditioned about 40 people. Wow. Not a very big number. I don't think number. it was that. Was it that? 40? Well, I know we were doing three a day and five days mm-hmm. a week for about yeah. three weeks. And yeah. how did the audition... When you brought the people into audition, they're coming into a live setting. You guys set up in a rehearsal studio or yeah, something. Exactly. Yes. Same deal. You give them a list of songs to learn, and yes. then they walk in, you meet them, and, you, and you, you play with them. Yes. Yeah, we kept it on a level playing field. We gave each person the same seven songs, and it was a it was a big jump between songs, from Interstate Love Song to Piece of Pie to Big Empties. We wanted to hear how they could uh, kind of the interpret range. all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as, as well, when, when we felt like... It was worthwhile proceeding. We'd start just kind of playing some new stuff and and just seeing what we could do together and what they could come up with on the spot. Yeah, I mean that's that's the other side of it is not only being able to respect the catalog, uh, but it was about you know moving forward and actually having someone who had the ability to actually write lyrics and write melody right. and 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 just bond with someone on a on a friendship level and a musical level right yeah that's what i was going to ask you because uh, for for you guys the the idea people would say well we're just looking for a guy that can sing the stuff but it's so much more than so that much more yeah eric you know you picked this up i mean what what was the qualities across the board like what are the boxes that needed to be checked that you felt a, a lot of times i felt like we were george lucas and we're looking for han solo <laughs> no and, and, I, and it's, it sounds funny but it's like you have to have this character and the right type of of person whereas we had de niro's and and dicaprio's walking in i mean some of these singers were so good that they were too good you know if that makes sense they weren't necessarily rock and roll enough they were just very trained singers and that doesn't fit with us um so when we started to really narrow it down they had to be the right type of singer and then a big portion of it was writing new material because sometimes we just start jamming on anything in the room and some of these singers could just come right in and then start inspiring us for other changes but most of the guys just kind of stood there and looked around like they didn't know what to do. You get into like we're the like, 16th bar of a jam. They're not doing anything. We're looking at each other like, uh, should we stop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty yeah. much at the moment like, well, if, if they can't come up with anything on the spot, then. 
Yeah. Were there any guys that you got into the audition process that made the, the, the final 40 and actually played with you that when you got there, maybe a funny story or something where it was like, and they come in, it's like, Oh, we, we don't. We don't the, have the, 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 the video uh, or the audio was misrepresentative it, of what they really yes. little smoke and mirrors, yes, and yes. you're it like, oh, amazing. geez, you know, yes. get the hook and get this guy out of here. Yes, absolutely. No, but I mean, sometimes we keep them there longer because it was so good. <laughs> well, we were we were we were filming the whole thing too, so it was it was it's all on film. So oh, so you've got the yeah, you've got the video. Yeah, but is there any like? Yeah, I once heard this story about uh, when when Kiss was auditioning drummers after Peter Chris left, and Eric Carr, uh, who got the the job, the, the story was that he, you know he was repairing gas ranges, and he had no, he had never knew if he'd see these guys again, and he asked for their autographs, and you know as 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 he finished the audition. So, did you have any fanboy moments where the people just like got in there and kind of locked up? Yeah, you know. The- some of these people, when they walked in, they they didn't they they had the thousand yard stare. They weren't really looking at us, and they're like, yeah, yeah, doing this kind of thing. You know what I mean? And just staring and not really looking at us in the eye. Like, it's okay, man. It's okay. Let's just get up on stage. There was, and- there was the one cat we were just about to play, and he goes, oh, "Hold on." He started doing push ups. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What do you want to just get buff for a little, a little I don't bit know, and get t- man. tightened I think he up? Just to burn off some heat or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's the it's the total. You're really looking for that, and that's an important thing because this person who we're going to meet very soon, who ended up you know getting the gig, uh, they're getting thrown right into the deep water. You mm-hmm. know, you've got a record, you've got live shows. This isn't like a building band. This is you're going to come out and you're going to be playing to a lot of people very quickly. So. Imagine that's a really important consideration. If they can't handle themselves around you just in a rehearsal studio, yeah. how are they going to work that's, in front of 20,000 people? That's exactly it. You have to think about the whole uh, process that their brain, their brain is going through and you know, being able to handle being right, thrown right into it, like you said. I mean, it's this is not you know warm-up time. This is going into the deep end, like you said. Yeah. And vocally, what were you looking for? Because obviously you want a guy that can be somewhat faithful, I would think, to what Scott did, but also be his own guy and, like you said, with an eye towards what you're going to do next and create. So so where where was – I imagine you were looking for some sort of balance in there, right? Some sort of balance is really – because you can't specifically say the person has to be this one thing. They, they have to check all the boxes, and a lot of it's the tone of the voice, having the baritone um, – being able to cover the the catalog songs and so much of it was the new material because we have to move forward with this, the amount of songs that we're writing and like I said some of the guys just couldn't come up with anything and you know that um, was really important to us yeah and uh, yeah that, that this person had a a great sense of a song you know how what a song needed uh, uh, someone to kind of sit back and listen to the song. And allow the song to dictate what it needs melodically and lyrically. Something that, you know, look, we were affiliated with one of the best, right? You know, Scott was extraordinary at that. Mm-hmm. He, he had a great sense of the song and, and a great sense of melody. And, you know, we we wanted to, uh, we, got, we got a lot left in the tank, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, we want somebody that could, you know, be on 
a writing level, and I say this with humility and, and, and great humbleness, but we wanted somebody that was able to be where we are in the writing process and recording process. Well, we're going to bring that somebody in in, in just one, just a second here. But um, one more thing for me. How did you – what did it get down to? In other words, you had the 40 approximately that got in the room. And then the final cuts, like are you down – did you get to the point where you're dying and kind of amongst you trying to figure out, okay, between two or three people? or Or was it pretty – clear cut that the guy we're about to meet was the guy i think i think the further we got you know we took this as steps so we got in the room with them if we liked them we got in the room with them again and a lot of the people we got in the room with again we decided at that moment that uh the next step was to get in the studio and and you know have them put some lyrics and melody or you know just get in get in a studio environment because the next step was obviously making a record and doing new material that was part of the whole plan. It wasn't about just doing the old songs and going out and being a legacy band. It was about continuing STP. So really, um, he was the he was the first and the only guy we really got in this got that far with. Well, so yeah, it was I, a matter of uh, you know just a elim- process of elimination. Yeah, I wanted, wanted to know? see how they how they do when the red lights on, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I the the irony of it is is this gent. Didn't even submit. The guy we're about to meet. He was yeah. not new part sing- of the submission. Really? Really. <clears throat> so he wasn't in the 20,000. Robert? No. Why don't you expand on how we Yeah, met? that's no. interesting. No, he, he wasn't. So how did you find I found find out him? about him through, I was on uh, the road with the Hollywood Vampires, and we were playing uh, Pine Knob, which I don't know what it's called now. I know it's know as a Pine Knob up in Detroit, which is where he's from. And after the show, there was a, 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 a musician who said, hey, man, you, check, you should check this guy out. And that's where I kind of heard of him, from him first, was through, through that guy. And uh, it just happened that um, it came together like that. So. so this, the person who ended up getting the gig... You didn't even have to listen to those 20,000 things. I <laughs> yeah. just realized, what did you do? I know. You just wasted your years oh, of your life. Man, and, and actually, hours. <laughs> Eddie, there was about five singers that didn't do the submission that were just referred to by friends that were really, really good. <laughs> no, really good, but just not, like, not correct. So. so much for this process. <laughs> I, My we, God. We know, we know our songs better now. No wonder That's, why Dean uh, was sick the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd be sick, too, if I spent right. all my time listening to bad singers and the guy just drops in your lap. Oh, um, that is too funny, man. Yeah. That's a crazy thing. Yeah. Well, I think with that, we should probably uh, get ready to, to meet him. It's kind of, there's like a partition up there. It's yes. kind of like- Do we um, need like a drum roll? We have music? Do we need- <laughs> I'm going to give uh, a really old school reference here for for people old like me. The dating game, like right behind the behind the wall. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we all know that. So we're going to bring this gentleman in, and I and being totally honest, I do not know him, and I I honestly don't even know his name. And he's going to come in here, and we're going to find out together. Uh, we're going to meet the new singer in Stone Temple Pilots, and now we're going to talk about the future and what's coming next. And Stone Temple Pilots reborn. Coming up in just a couple minutes, uh, we will welcome and the world will meet the new lead singer of STP. Stick around. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
Hey, hope you guys are checking out History's new scripted drama series, Nightfall, which premieres Wednesday, December 6th at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. Nightfall is set in a medieval France tangled in politics and conflict. One headstrong and courageous Templar knight, Landry, will lead his order of warrior monks on a life-or-death mission to find the lost Holy Grail. Control the Grail, and you control the world. Season one, you're looking at 10 episodes, and that season takes viewers inside the medieval politics and warfare of the Knights of Templar, the most powerful, wealthy, and mysterious military order of the Middle Ages, who are entrusted with protecting Christianity's most precious relics. You guys got to check this show out. Sounds really cool, right? Don't miss it. Explore the mysterious world of the Knights of Templar in history's new hit drama series, Nightfall, takes viewers deep inside the medieval politics and warfare of the Knights of Templar, Nightfall, premiering December 6th, 10, 9 central, only on History. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, we're back with Stone Temple Pilots Reborn, and now the big moment, a moment in rock history that we're going to share with you right now. As Robert and Dean DeLeo and Eric Kretz are here to uh, welcome and introduce the next phase of the band and the new singer in the band. And I will let, uh, who's who's going to do the honors here? Who's going to do the big reveal? Everyone's pointing to Robert. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the job, I've, Robert. Yes. Please okay. tell um, the world. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mr. Jeff Goot. My name is Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, we just heard about how many demos and submissions you sent in. You yeah. like 20,000. Right now, the 20,000 people that sent the... What are we doing? So, congratulations, yeah. man. Thank you. Thank and, you. Uh, and, and great to meet you. And I have heard some of the stuff that uh, you guys are working on. And it sounds incredible. So give everybody that's listening a little bit on your background and your history and uh, and, and how this happened for you. Well, uh, I mean, I've, I started playing music when I was really young, and so I've always I've always been, you know, um, a musician at heart, even though I've had odd jobs and all that. But um, haven't we all? I know, right? Yeah. But my, Ooh. you know, my my heart and soul was always in music, so I've always um, pursued that, and I've 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 had close chances of success and and you know sometimes politics and paperwork don't work out and uh so, so, so you've had record deals or close yeah yeah I, was, I used to be in a band called dry so which was on warner brothers about the same time as lincoln park and that was how i know chester new chester back and that's when i first met him was in like in 2001 when they first came out and we were signed by the same guy and I was in a band with some really young guys back then. Called, it was called Dry Cell. It was like a new metal band, but they were awesome musicians for like being as young as they were. And um, yeah, and then I, that that kind of fell apart. And then I went and did my own thing, and I was kind of away from the music industry and kind of swore it off for you know, um, just became really disenchanted with the whole business side of of everything. <clears throat> and then I you know I had my son and showing him music how my father showed me music and through that I fell in love with it again found the respect that I had for it in the first place and why I started and and and, and then I went on uh, the X Factor the Simon Cowell show so I'm kind of used to the red light and the uh, you know <laughs> being on the spot and I mean I don't know how many millions of people watch the finale but uh, you know it was 
It's if you think about to. it, Jeff has played in front of more, performed in front of more people than Robert and Eric and I combined. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so you yeah. were on. So so people would know you from the X Factor. You, were you a yeah. finalist on that? Or? I made to, I, second place. Yeah, second place. Yeah. And how long ago was that? That was in 2013. What were you singing on that? Uh, I did a version of Hallelujah. I was on it twice. I was on it in 2012 and 2013. I got I got booted off right after my audition in 2012, which is still like the best thing I've ever done in my life until, you know, this happens. Right. So, right. <laughs> so but the songs you were, because you, you, you're performing cover songs on that? Yep, it's all covers. So you did Hallelujah? I did Hallelujah. I'd, uh, I I had to like pull some strings so I could do Dream On in the finale because wow. I'm like, that was my whole thing. I'm like, if I make it to the finale, I'm doing Dream On. And my luckily my producer on the show had my back and we, uh, we made it happen. And off of that, you're saying 2013, so that's four years ago. Yep. So off of that, were there additional offers at that time? Did people see you and, and rock bands reach out to you? I got really lucky as to where I didn't get any offers right away. I mean, I had some offers to go do some things that I'm not really. I'm not going to put the names out there, but um, I said no to all those things, and uh, I just why were they just not right for you? I just kind of wanted to do my thing at that time, you know, and I I had really had a lot of time and effort into. Um, establishing some things with some musicians that I, you know, that I grew up with at the time. Was it, was it where any of those offers, um, shag carpet and a boa constrictor? Abs- absolutely not. That's why I'm here. <laughs> How does it feel to be here? I mean, think about this oh, right now. You are doing insane. your first ever interview and the world is realizing and finding out that a guy named Jeff Goot is the new lead singer in Stone Temple Pilots. And you are about to play your first public show, and it's going to be heard on radio across America and Canada. I mean, how does this feel for you? I mean, you, you just oh, talked about I didn't know Canada every... was involved. Now yeah, Canada is involved. We can cut them out if you have a problem with Canada. But <laughs> we love Canada. But, but I mean, seriously, I mean, this is a this is a this is a a big reveal for the world right now. But for you personally, I mean, with the, you just it sounds like your story is pretty similar to a lot of guys. They started, they tried, they got close, it didn't connect. Yeah. And then they kind of backed off and gave up for a little bit and then got stuck their nose back in. And now you find yourself the new singer in Stone Temple Pilots. I mean, what does this moment feel like to you? I mean, if you could imagine like joining Led Zeppelin, that's pretty much how it feels, <laughs> you know, because I, to me, they're, they're my Led Zeppelin, you know, and I was... Let me, let me tell you something about Jeff. He walks in and the first thing, he, one of the first things he says to me, he goes, ah, oh, you know, I'm a guitar player at heart. I'm thinking, this guy's after my kid. <laughs> <laughs> I never wanted to be a singer. I was always, I always wanted to be the guy on the side. I never wanted to have the spotlight on me. It always kind of made me a little uncomfortable. But, you know, but then I realized, you know, that I had this natural gift of being, I think it's more listening and being able to hear if you're in pitch or not. I mean, it's more your ear than your throat, but... I had that ability, and I and I was always the guy showing the singer what to sing. So at one point, which is strangely enough, was <laughs> the first time I put the guitar down and did and just sang and held the microphone in front of people. It was Hunger Strike. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because then you know Chester and uh, and Chris Cornell right. did had that version. So it was a uh, yeah. That was so the first you time. you. Um... You you were and are a big Stone Temple Pilots fan. Oh my god! Now you find yourself I, I, in the band. Did you used to go see him? Did you see him I've live? Ne- I've never saw him live, but I've never. I'm just going to wait till I join him. <laughs> I've never been a, <laughs> never been a big concert guy, just because you know, like 
having people all over like you know that cluster i get a little uh yeah get a little claustrophobic right. you know that's when it's nice to be on stage yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't have to worry about that now you'll be looking out at the people that are being claustrophobic <laughs> it's much easier than being in the crowd i can yeah. tell you that yeah. Yeah. unless yeah. the for me unless the career really bottoms out you'll be playing on pretty big stages so <laughs> <laughs> so i heard so, these guys are good i don't know yeah i think they're all right so, you know we, we can we will talk about them after they leave the room in a good, little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but um you grew up in detroit detroit michigan well north side yeah mount clemens Watch area your wallet <laughs> <laughs> i can get in your car if you lock your keys in there <laughs> and were, were you one of these guys that uh, that went you moved to nashville or la or new york to try to nope, i you actually, stayed there the whole time i i moved i moved to la when i when i started with dry cell mm-hmm. actually i moved out to la when i was right after i graduated high school for like a year just to you know do it and get away from having to do co- go to college like my mom wanted me to so i was like all right i'm gonna move to la and about it lasted about a year you know because i lived in the not so nice area of los angeles but uh <laughs> then i then i got that opportunity with dry cell and um and then so i moved out in 2000 and so i pretty much been here off and on since then but I've spent years back home, you know, in between, and, and but it's been back and forth since then, yeah. Now, as we talked about earlier, you didn't come through the audition process, the traditional audition process, in the sense that mm-hmm. you, they approached you and you had to reach out from from the guys versus being in that sort of flow of everything kind of, coming kind of. in. But there's a couple of stories. I had a few angles going on this actually. So you, so yeah, talk about that from your end. Like, did you, you knew this was happening and, and what was your plan? Like, well, did you... I had heard about it, but I was on tour in the Middle East with my band at the time. So I was like doing my own thing and that was like, you know, everything that I had going on. But then when I got back and I, I was driving and I heard, uh, I can't remember, I don't remember what song it was, but it was a Stone Temple Pilots song came on the radio and. So I called my buddy in New York who knows everybody in the music in the music industry and I was like, Hey, did they ever find a singer? And uh he was like, You know what, I'll send him your stuff right now and three days later I got a call. <laughs> and when and and even though so so then of of course there is an audition process. Yeah. You guys Dean, Robert, Eric, you guys bring them in and then where does it go from there? How many times are you coming back? What was your what was your initial vibe jeff when you got in the room with the guys did you feel good about the first time you guys oh yeah um i've i felt like i had it before i even got in the room to tell you the truth just because if you don't feel that way you're probably not going to get it so you went in with a lot of confidence oh you have to be confident i mean not cocky confidence but like you know i i i know i know my shit i know what i'm doing you know what i mean i've studied my craft and i've studied I've studied Scott. I've studied like all these pe- and the people that Scott studied and 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 other singers of the era. You know, I've I've really put in a lot of time into that and and it and if you're not willing to do all of that, you know, you you're not going to be able, on the level to even be around these guys. Did so. you guys, let me jump in real quick. Did you guys sense that Robert Dean Eric when he walked in after everything you had gone through and the people you did was there an immediate thing from your end? Did you sense his sort of confidence? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting because Jeff is a decade younger than us, so he's in that. Do you just call me a dickhead? It sounded like he was about to say that. I think we just broke up the no band already. I'm out of here. Well, that was short lived. Oh. oh man. Oh shit. What are we doing now? Join us next week as the search show. continues. God damn it, man. Uh, <laughs> Get ready for twenty thousand tapes Jeff, coming soon, Dean. Jeff is about ten years younger than us. 
right. a decade. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, so um, you know, it's interesting because he kind of, so to speak, grew up on grew up on our music. Yeah, I was going to say that when I asked you if you were a fan of the band, I didn't want to insult you and say, "Did you grow up listening?" Or actually insult the other three and say, "Did you yeah. grow up listening to them?" Well, but it's like actually when I was in high school. I mean, I I, I remember this like vividly. I, um, I remember standing at my locker talking to my buddy about about the, who we were going to get to be our drummer, and we were talking about Stone Temple Pilots that just came out and how cool it was, and it was it was so. Scott was a different kind of singer. Did you get the you know? call, Kretz? <laughs> <laughs> he was he was the first I, singer. We didn't where, have cell phones back then, <laughs> right. so yeah. he was the first singer where I really noticed um, how he used his influences to cater to the character of each song to what that song needed specifically. And and before that, I mean, a lot of other there's other singers that do that, but that was when I because I was only 16 years old at the time, so hmm. that was the first time it, it really dawned on me, like, wow, you can do that, and you can you can cater to each song. And still keep keep yourself true to who you are, and and still, you know, do it that way. And and that really opened up my mind to a lot of different things. So I have a lot to that I that I owe Scott Weiland just for who I am today. And w- go ahead, Dean. You ready to say something? So do I. And so do I. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. When you when you go in for this audition, being a fan of the band, having that sort of respect for Scott. What's your approach? Are you saying I'm going to come at this and, and channel Scott? I'm going to bring some of me into this. I'm going to walk a line down the middle. You have to respect what was originally yes. done, but you also want to still be Jeff Goot. So, how Absolutely. do you handle that? Um. Well, I, 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 for that it was it that was mostly doing the the catalog, and um, so I just tried to stay true to the catalog on that as much as I could. I can still bring my the power of the vocal and and um, the subtleties and the dynamics and and show them all of that side. But for the most part, I just wanted it to be as authentic and uh, what they were, what I thought they were looking for. It, it was great because when we did finally go into my studio um, and start working on some songs, I mean, <laughs> what like three three days we. Six songs in three days. Yeah, yeah, six songs in three days. He was laying down melodies and 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 some and lyrics and stuff and, and harmonies. Yeah, and it was like, stuff. oh. So, I mean, that, like I said before, that was the kind of thing where, you know, we were moving forward. Um, you know, if you, if you look at the whole past 25 years, you know, a lot has happened to Dean and Eric and, and, and myself. And, uh, sure. you know... If you had told me a long time ago what was going to happen through our careers, I probably wouldn't have thought of, you know, Scott and Chester. And and here we are now. And here we are now. And that was kind of, it was what it is. And, uh, and, and we're in the moment now of, we're in the now. And that's where we want to be. And we want to move forward with this. And, um, you know, at that moment, we knew that that was possible when we got in the studio with Jeff and he started... Uh, you know, really laying down some valid, valid stuff that was, you know, very moving, moving, very moving, you, you know, know, and, uh, look, if it's not happening in that room, it's not going to happen anywhere else, man. So we were, uh, you were kind of getting us off, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. It was from the, you know, from the gut, you know, it's, you can think about stuff all you want, you know, think about this and think about that. But if you're not feeling it and that's where it kind of, you know, we can proceed 
we can move forward. How long has it been? The world is finding out now that he's your new lead singer. But how long have you guys known? How long have you actually been in the I band the working dates. with them? Was there a day they came? <laughs> was there a day they came to you and said you're you're yep, the guy? September. That was that was May 11th. May 11th of, of this year of 2017. September 6th was my audition, my first time I met them face to face. September 6th. So wait, we gave you the gig in May. May. So wait, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. Wow, we strung you along for nine months. <laughs> it's, hey, it's past May right now, too, by the way. It's long past May. And how is, <laughs> how is the message delivered? Is there a cake, dancing girls, or is it just like, yeah, dude, stick around. I think we're going to keep working with you. It was, it was, it was, you know what? It was, it was, uh, it was kind of an emotional moment. I, I kept it together that I didn't let them on, that let them know that, but it was a huge moment for me because I have a, I have a son and, and that's really why I got back into music and why I went on a TV show, which I used to despise those shows because people stand in line for a day and get their shot. I, I spent 25 years in the bars and clubs, right, grinding it out, sure, doing it, you know. And so, but that was all part of my journey, and it all brought me here. So I'm proud. I'm proud of all that stuff. You deserve it. Thank yeah, you, you do. Thank Jeff's you. very good at keeping his cool. So well, he, think, think about this. <laughs> like an offer like this comes his way. We ask him that we would love to have him be the singer of Stunto Pilots, right? Have, you know, you're the singer of STP. He couldn't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, yeah. that's kind I of mean, been my favorite part, though. I'm kind of into this, like, cloak and dagger stuff. You know, where I, I can... Oh, it's all over now, pal. Once, once it, once, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all over yeah. now. But yeah. you know what, man? That, that, that really says a lot of your character, Jeff, that you, you were you. able to, you know, uphold that with you know dignity and and respect to what we all have going on you know we spoke a lot of the artistic side of things music we spoke a lot of that but you know there's so much more than that you know is is this is this a person that we want around our families our kids you know right don't answer that (laughs) it's just a guy who want to be around me you already (laughs) said you got to watch your wallet around (laughs) so there was a lot of boxes to be checked off man and that's that's why sorry jeff that's why it took nine months for us to like really come to the decision sure well with what you guys been through you wanted to make sure you got the right guy and uh and from what i've heard and now meeting you for the first time it it's certainly seems like that's the case they're giving me the sign we got to kill it jeff congratulations Thank best you, of luck with the gig and I, I look forward to uh speaking to all you guys again soon when there's a new record coming and everything else so cannot wait for some new music which we'll be getting relatively soon Really yeah. soon. Yes. Really soon. Yes, we're really excited about the record. And I've new heard record. some, you guys have been nice enough to play me a little, and it sounds killer. So get ready for new STP, the debut album with Jeff as their lead singer. And, of course, I'm sure people will be getting a chance to see you guys play live as well. Well, I got to say, it was a huge uh, thrill to be able to have that honor of visiting with and doing the first ever interview with the brand new lineup of STP. Like I said earlier in the podcast, I had a chance to see those guys perform the next night with him. And I think they found the right guy. I really do. Thought he sounded great. Did a great job. You may notice there's been very little video and audio and photos from the debut of STP with Jeff Goot from the Troubadour. That's because they did something pretty interesting. They confiscated everybody's phones and they made people lock up their phones in these little pouches because they wanted to control any stuff coming out from the uh, performance. And I believe that is a sign of things to come in the world of music, folks. So it might be something to get used to. The company that is doing it is a company called Yonder, and I'm going to be having the CEO of that company on my show on volume very soon. Maybe I'll bring that to you 
on the podcast as well. Remember, keep up with me on social media, at Eddie Trunk. Twitter is where I'm most active. There's also an Instagram, Facebook fan page. EddieTrunk.com is the website. Eddie at EddieTrunk.com is the email address. And be sure to go to my site. By the way, in my merch store, all of my T-shirts, Trunk Nation stuff, all heavily reduced for the holidays. So shop now in my merch store on EddieTrunk.com. Be sure to see my appearances on the homepage. I ran them down earlier. The blog, my trunk report is there. And you also have all of the music news you need updated daily by Dana Rosa. It's Dana Rosen. It's all on my website, EddieTrunk.com. Email me, Eddie at EddieTrunk.com. Thanks to Katie Irizarry, of course, as always, for putting this whole thing together and producing the podcast each and every week. I'll see you guys next Thursday for another all-new episode. Have a good week. Heather Dubrow's World exclusively on Podcast One. We have so many fun conversations and great guests. Recently, Corinne Olympios from The Bachelor was here. Suzanne Summers, Matt Eisman, Tamara Judge, my buddy, was here. All kinds of really fun. Randy Jackson, Kellen Lutz. I didn't let him bite me. Join me every Friday on PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts.